You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I'm your host, Kristen Maxwell. And in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, we're going to be talking to Kenny Weiss about what it takes to increase confidence and live in your greatness. Kenny Weiss is a highly rated coach, speaker, and author. He is the host of the great of the podcast, The Greatness Movement, and also founder of the movement, The Greatness Movement. His book, Your Journey to Success, lays out what keeps people from their greatness and gives them a path for how to step into that. Kenny, welcome to your superpowered mind. Hi, Kristen. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. My first question is always, what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind? Well, for me, it's, it's actually, it's going to be the title of my next book. It's the answers in the opposite. And uh, what I discovered is we've pretty much been taught to avoid um, the difficult feelings in our life. And when you go become an expert, in those feelings, when you become an expert in your brokenness and all the difficulties that we all go through in life, that's where the answer is. It's the avoidance of all that and the lack of information and tools on how to uh, look at all of that stuff and overcome it. That's really what I became an expert in. And, and that's whether it's clients or myself, that's that's what I found is is kind of the secret to finding your greatness. Wow. And let me tell you, I am so glad we are talking then because that is um, one of my big missions in life is to let people know that they can get through their brokenness and that there are tools and information on how to get through that. So I love what you're doing. Thank you. So I guess in terms of your answer to your superpower was super intriguing because I want to know, you know, how to become an expert in brokenness and your brokenness, but let's go back a little bit. And you obviously are talking about greatness and what, how do you define greatness for a person? Yeah, that's a great question. I success. I, you know, it's funny. I, I was still in the process of defining greatness in my own mind when I wrote my first book had I, you know, and their greatness is used all throughout my book, but I hadn't quite defined it yet. Had I, I would have changed the title of my book to Your Journey to Greatness. But success to me, the success and greatness are two different processes. Success is an external process. If you think about it, it's all about the accumulation of things outside of yourself, whether it's wealth, the corner office, the trophy husband or wife. In other words, my validation of success and who I am is an external acquiring of things. Now I'm all for people being rich or poor, you know, some people, there's the whole movement of, you know, the small houses, if that's success to you, like however you define it, but everyone defines it as something external to them that will validate that. Yes, I'm now successful. Pardon me. Greatness to me is completely different. Greatness is an internal process. And the, the way to be, you know, the way I show that or help people find that is 
to find your greatness, you have to become an expert in those deep, dark recesses, those places we've all been taught by society and everything never to go. And the reason for that is wherever I am in the success process, if I'm at peace within myself, if I can see my imperfections and accept, like I have a quote, when you learn to forgive yourself, they can't hurt you with it anymore. And so when you have that place of greatness, you're walking in your authenticity. So wherever you are in that success process, you're okay. It's not defined by, well, you know, most people, they'll say, well, I'm not a success yet. I'm still a, you know, a manager or I haven't acquired this house. You know, it's always about something outside of them. And, and so that's how I differentiate. Greatness is an internal process. And when you, when you have that, wherever you are in the success process, you're at peace. And most of all, once you achieve that success you want, as we all know, almost everybody that achieves success ends up waking up miserable going, wow, I thought this would do it, but it doesn't. And that's why greatness separates you. Because when you have that, again, wherever you are in that process, you can accept that level of success that you're pursuing. Right. So with your answer, it's almost sounds like you're talking about two different things. So I want to ask you to reconcile it because you're saying we need to become an expert in our dark recesses, meaning I'm assuming our, our dark emotions, and then we'll become to come to peace within ourselves. How, do, how does that happen? Well, in my experience, you know, over 80% of people will say their childhood was perfect. It's, it's absolutely impossible. Um, none of us, none of our parents have taken a single class on how to be a parent. And even if they had, um, we still screw up. And so all of us have been through difficult times in life. And the societal response is to not deal with stuff like that, not learn about it. Well, I talk about in my book what I call it. There's a cycle that I discovered that every single person lives their life by. And it's all predicated on we've all been through some sort of difficult, trying, emotional, or traumatic event. And until you discover how that trauma or, you know, um, whatever it may, I mean, it could be as simple as like my mom, uh, let me give you an example. I was reaching into the refrigerator as a kid to grab cottage cheese. And my mom goes, no, 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 that's for the dogs. Well, what my mom meant was when the dogs are sick, she uses cottage cheese to hide their pills. Well, as a kid, what I heard was if you eat, you get in trouble. If you eat, mom doesn't like you. And oh, by the way, We feed the dogs before we feed the kids in this house. Now, again, that's not what she said, but because we don't teach about parenting, she didn't realize the underlying message she was sending. And so we've all had moments like that in childhood and people just brush that off. Well, for 30 years, if you ever asked me if I wanted to eat, I would say, nah, eating bores me. I mean, I played pro hockey and I literally lived off three super big gulps and something like a ding dong, something chocolatey. That's it. I refuse to eat. So we developed these false personas, these beliefs, like I thought I was just a person who didn't like eating. Well, that's what I mean. It's these little events. And some are bigger. You know, I found my mom passed out naked on the toilet at 10 years old in the middle of the night. It's when I discovered she was an alcoholic. Most of us would recognize, okay, that's a big event. I could see that would affect me. But mom making that comment about cottage cheese, well, those things affect us the rest of our life. And I show you 
Like I can sit with anyone in two seconds. Like I know by your career, what your childhood was like. You're just trying to reconcile that pain you went through. And that's what people don't understand. And so until you discover that, most people are, are living against who they really are, against their greatness. I mean, Gallup has done a poll for decades and only 7% of the population is fully satisfied in their careers. Well, that tells you 93% are living in the cycle I'm talking about. They're still replaying that traumatic event against themselves and they don't know it. And so that's what I'm saying is until we as a society condone and make it okay to go learn about how to be a parent, how to have relationships, how to deal with our emotions and look at ourselves and, and, and do the self-awareness work and hire people like me or others to help us through that journey. We're not walking in our greatness. For most people, it's a maladaptive coping skill that they aren't even aware of. And that's why they're struggling in both their you know, pursuit of greatness and their pursuit of success. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. And I want to go definitely um, more deeply into, you know, what are some of the tools that we can use to start to um, build more self-awareness and to address maybe some of that trauma and underlying emotions. But we do need to go to a break first. Before we go, can you let people know where they can learn more about you? Sure. The easiest way is just Google Kenny Weiss. My podcast will come up. My YouTube channel will come up. Uh, my website will come up. Um, you, but I mean, you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and YouTube, all under Kenny Weiss. My website is www.thegreatnessmovement.com. But if you just Google my name, everything will show up. Great. Thank you so much. In a moment, we're going to come back and talk a bit more about how to increase confidence and live in greatness, but hang on. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts, and we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth, because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Welcome back, everyone. So. Kenny, I'm always super interested in, yes, we, we all know that there are things we should deal with and things that are bothering us, and yet it often feels like things that we try don't work. You know, meditation takes forever to work, um, you know, positive affirmations, all of that stuff. So what have you learned that actually allows people to go through and face their emotions and, and take them down. Yeah. Well, it, it's a long process. That's part of the problem in this field is most, you know, 
personal growth type seminars um, are what I call weekend adrenaline events. You know, change your life in three days. It's not physically or humanly possible. Our brain and body doesn't work that way, or they want to sell you a two or four week class. And, you know, it's like the groups that I run, the greatness groups, they're 12 months long. We meet once a month because that's what I realized, you know, the programs that are set up, they're not designed for you to find your greatness. It's designed more for sales and our societal need to have the answer immediately. This process is a long process. That's why the title of my book, Your Journey, it, it's a journey. I mean, I've been pursuing my demons for God 30 years. Um, I went, you know, even as a young kid, I kept trying to find out, you know, what's going on with me. And so it's not a, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's not a short process. It's a lifelong process to uncover this because of how emotions work, how our brain works, our body works and holds all of this stuff. It takes time. Um, the first one, a simple thing, because studies show that almost 70% of the population doesn't even feel like if you ask them what they're feeling, they'll say, I'm good, I'm fine. They don't even, those aren't feelings. And so they're detached. There are many reasons for that. I don't want to take up the time um, to explain why everybody's so detached emotionally. But one of the great, you know, simple things to start getting reattached is just go to Google and type in feelings list, print it and keep it with you all day long and make check marks. Just starting, just start to get aware. And what you're going to see is there's a pattern. There's certain feelings showing up over and over and over. And you'll end up with, you know, three to 10, you know, through a week. And then ask yourself a simple question. When was the first time I remember feeling this? And whatever comes to your mind, the first thing that comes to your mind, it could be yesterday, it could be 30 years ago. Don't judge it like, oh, well, it can't be this. Just make a record of it. What will happen is you're, as you start to do this, there's an element in your brain that will start to thaw out and start giving you access to all the times you experienced that dejection or whatever it was, and you'll find the source of it. But your brain and body has to learn, oh, I'm, giving, I'm being given permission to actually deal with this now. And so that's one of this, you know, the first process, you know, stepping stones is you have to start becoming an expert in how your feelings are governing everything you're doing. Well, most people are completely detached and don't even know what they're feeling and how much th those feelings are driving all of their thoughts and behavior. Right. So you're saying really the first step is to just become aware. Yeah. Of, yeah. You know, rather, I, I think so. a lot of people might say, yeah, I'm busy. I'm overwhelmed. Is overwhelmed a feeling? Yeah. Well, there's then if you dig deeper, oh, okay, overwhelmed, keep going. Well, I'm scared. What, you know, if you, what are you overwhelmed by? Well, the kids, this. Okay. So when you think about the kids, what is it about the kids that has you overwhelmed? And then they'll fine tune and go, well, I'm scared. Um, Sandy, I think, is starting to do drugs. Okay, so you're afraid. Well, this is one of the things. I've never heard anybody define fear like I do. You know, the general response to fear is, oh, I call it the Nike philosophy. Just do it. You know, just push through it. Well, if that worked, we'd all do it. Fear is always one of three things. And so, like, I, when I work with people, I'm like, you have to ask yourself this. It's either the fear of rejection, the fear of inadequacy. In other words, you don't think you have the skills, tools, or knowledge to do something, or the fear of powerlessness. So let's take the example. 
fear of rejection. Well, if I confront Sandy about this drug use, I might lose my connection with her. So what fear of rejection is about is a, lot, is a lack of self-esteem. So then I have a whole program of here's how you build up that self-esteem so that you're not tied to the outcome based on somebody else's opinion or response to you. So that's how you conquer that specific fear. Inadequacy, yes, she doesn't, you know, she's a mom. She doesn't have the skills, tools, or knowledge to know how to handle a kid who's addicted to pot or whatever it may be. Well, go become an expert in getting and learning about how do you handle a teenager who's doing drugs. Powerlessness, of course she feels powerless. She's not with her daughter all day. There's nothing she can do. Now, there are many levels to powerlessness. The biggest one is somewhere in their life, a person is saying yes to something they want to say no to. So probably somewhere in the parenting, mom is allowing behavior that she's not okay with, but again, she's afraid of rejection and inadequacy. And so she's saying yes when what she really wants to say is no. So then again, I have a whole nother platform of here's how you handle powerlessness. So that right, just think of all the information I just gave you there. That's a massive amount of education that people just don't have. And I haven't even, I mean, I could go on for a month straight of all the different things. Like I have to teach people about the self-awareness process because we don't go into the depth that I go into on these kinds of things. And so none of us are bad. None of us, you know, are defective. We're just lacking the right tools and information. Right. So let's say that somebody, what, you know, what is coming up from them regularly is a fear of rejection. Yeah. Like, can you just sort of generally say, like, explain what, you know, how do we help somebody learn to, to deal with that fear and to start taking it down so that they don't carry it around with them? Sure. The first place to look for fear of rejection is when and how were you rejected as a child by your parents? I mean, just look at the situation with my mom. That felt rejecting. I can't eat, right? So, and, and dogs are more important. So, I mean, and there are countless times, you know, we go to mom and dad, ask to play. Not right now, I'm busy, and they bark at us. Well, that's rejecting. So there are all these instances, of, you know, our brothers and sisters. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to condemn people. We just aren't taught how to express ourselves in a way that doesn't um, – come across as rejecting. So the first step is you have to uncover where you learned the feeling of rejection. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Once you uncover that, there's a healing process to that. Um, but rejection, like I said, is always about giving your power away. In other words, if I don't get some, si some type of acknowledgement from you, my worth is lost. Well, that's massive codependence. That nobody did, you know, my, if someone cheats on me, it has nothing to do with me. They're actually cheating on themselves. They don't know what's going on with them emotionally, so they're trying to medicate. But we as a culture think, you know, we take it as a rejection hit. Well, that tells me you grew up in a massively codependent environment that you think somebody else's choices determine your picture of yourself. And so until you go back, one, identify where you learned that feeling, and two, how you learned to um, place your value as a person, that it was always predicated on others' opinions or others' attitudes or actions towards you until you gain the self-esteem 
to separate that out. I mean, that's a long journey to do that, but that's what, that's the work that needs to be done is no, I mean, nobody ever rejects us. All they're ever doing is walking in their own best interest. Well, that's love. Like I have a whole chapter in my book, the power of saying no. We as a culture think love is saying yes and supporting our partner. That's the most destructive thing you can do, especially if what they're doing goes against your own morals and values and you don't support it. The most loving thing you can say to somebody is no, but we're not taught how to do that. Right. Yeah. And you know, the thing that um, I also notice a lot with clients is our parents, you know, in terms of forming these beliefs we have about ourselves and these emotions that we start to learn and beliefs and live with and carry with us for the rest of our lives is that, you know, when our kids, our parents said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm busy now. There's also not only did they maybe sure they could have said it better, but we only at that stage had the brain power to interpret it in certain ways. We didn't have the perspective, yeah. right. To, to understand, Oh, this doesn't mean that they don't like me. Yeah, but but there's that way. So I suppose it's a a process of unpeeling, you know, peeling back all of those layers yeah. of thoughts and beliefs. Yeah. Well, the reason the parent barks, "I'm busy," is because they're out of, they don't have the skills to handle their own emotional regulation, and so what it's called transference. They just dump it into the child, and that's why the anger comes out. Well, now this child who is you, exactly, you're dead right. We don't have the emotional, intellectual breadth and depth to understand that. All that we are basically a wide open emotional pit when we're children. All of our parents' negative emotions, when they feel off negatively, just walking in the room, the studies show, will transfer right into a kid. They will start feeling anxiety, depression, fear, just because the parents are. So that's why I say parents think <clears throat> one of the misnomers parents have is my kids know how much I love them. Like they just know it. Well, they don't. They, they don't. That feeling we all have of how much we just like our life depends on our kids. They don't feel that. What they feel is our emotions day in and day out. Well, if we're on an emotional roller coaster as a parent, so are our kids. And until we as parents take ownership of our emotions, we have to realize, like every time I have a client come in, you know, or, or reach out because their kid is struggling, I'm like, are you willing to be a process, part of the process? Because all your kids are doing is mirroring the emotions going on in you. And so if, I, if you're not willing to look at that, I can't help your child. And, and once I work with the parents emotionally, the kids literally without ever seeing them, their whole milieu, their whole attitude, everything shifts. Right. Yes. There's very much um, interesting how our our emotions and behaviors impact others. You know, one of the things that is always so interesting when I'm working with people is when they realize how much of their own emotions. This is true for some people, but not all. They are picking up on other people's emotions that it's not even necessarily coming from them, but they are, they've been learned to be so attuned to what other people are feeling that they start to carry it themselves. <clears throat> well, what a lot of people don't realize in this field is 
like everyone wants to get you to think different. Well, our brain doesn't even work that way. We always feel before we ever, ever generate thought. And so that's one of the misnomers is change the way you think. And I'm like, well, the way, I mean, every bit of information we ever take in comes through our thalamus. It's the emotional center of our brain. And I won't get into the specifics, but it bounces off all of these emotional centers. And so you're reacting emotionally and your amygdala is out front of you. Think of it like a radar. So like you said, you just walk in a room, your amygdala is 30 feet in front of you. It feels an emotion coming off somebody and it gets inside of you before you ever get to thought. So if you're not becoming an expert in what you're feeling, spending your time trying to change your thoughts for the most part is a waste of time because feeling comes before thought. It's just how our brain and body works. And, and so if, if you're being affected nonstop by other people, that tells me you're boundaryless. You grew up like me. I was very highly emotional, so very low boundaries and, and just absorbed everything emotionally from people. I had to learn how to protect myself from that. Mm -hmm. We're just not taught any of that stuff. So our parents weren't, I mean, society, think about it. It wasn't until 50 years ago that it became somewhat societally acceptable with Phil Donahue and Oprah that we even talked about this stuff. Right. Like, so, I mean, in the existence of the human species, millions of years, like, do you realize how immature we are emotionally and how new we are in the process? I mean, the, the science of psychology is 150 years old. So we're at the very, very forefront of what we're capable of emotionally as a species. As I always say, even the most mature adult walks around at probably the kindergarten, first grade level emotionally of what we're capable of as a species. And in the next 100 to 200 years, the major development you're going to see in in, in humans is emotions and it'll have nothing to do with technology because right. it's finally being yeah. somewhat okay to talk about this stuff. Well, and it's also fascinating what they're discovering with some of uh, learning about the brain Yeah, and the way the brain processes and the way, you know, even just the idea of neuroplasticity, you know, yes. when I was growing up, we were set. Yeah. We were born. So, you, you know, one of the things I want to um, say is because I, I don't want people to think that, you know, that, you know, it's a long journey that it's doesn't mean you're not going to get relief relatively quickly. Yeah, no, you, my client, like the, the shift, when you go do this, the, the shift, even like with a client is, you know, booked at 10 sessions in the, I mean, after the first, you know, one, two or three sessions, like their whole affect, Everything about them is completely different. The joy, because they're finally, you know, in touch with themselves. And they have even, even these minor tools to start navigating things. The, the, the shift in how better you feel about yourself is immediate. But it's a lifelong, <clears throat> pardon me, it's a lifelong process that you just get better and better at. Um, and, yeah. and so, but you're dead right. It's not like you're not going to re receive or see any relief for years. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you bring that up. I get so excited about, look, you've got to go deal with this, that sometimes I paint a dark picture. And, I, you know, it's it's one of my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. I describe yeah. stuff because I, I've lived the journey. I know what it's like. But sometimes when I describe it, it comes across as, oh, my God, I want nothing to do with that. 
So I, right. I appreciate you, you know, helping me not paint such a dark picture. Right. And well, just because I see it. Sure. Myself, yeah. is that you get, once you start uncovering these things, it can really be very quickly life changing. And then even as you start to feel better, there are still more layers and refinements and, but some of the big stuff, if we could take that down first, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So can you remind people again, where is the best place to learn about you and your greatness movement? The best place to learn about the greatness movement is www.thegreatnessmovement.com. You can learn about the groups I run, um, any upcoming speaking events I have, um, my podcast. Uh, there's a link to my YouTube channel. There's a link to my book, which is on Amazon and Kindle paperback um, and Audible. And the name of the book, again, is Your Journey to Success. Uh, but if you're, you know, that my, my website, just like Googling my name, Kenny Weiss, or going to the website, you pretty much get directed to, you know, every way you can find me and all the different things I do. Perfect. And Weiss is spelled W-E-I-S-S. Correct. Yes. For those who, those yeah. who are less, who are spelling challenged because yeah. there are a number of us out there. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today and giving a little bit of hope to those who feel like they're maybe stuck in, in their emotions or anxiety or depression. I really appreciate the opportunity and thanks for having me. Sure, thank you. And listeners, thank you for being here, for caring about your emotional health and knowing that there is something you can do to feel better and become the person you want to be. And until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 